Welcome to the Help for Wounded Spirits. This podcast exists to reach those wounded and suffering through life's trials. And now your hosts, Dr. Doug Carriger and Mrs. Stephanie Wesco. is it great to be back with you on this 269th podcast and with me as always is my friend and co-host Stephanie Wesco and Stephanie what's going on well good morning Doug um still freezing on this end my toes are currently on the numb uh, on you know on a spectrum of how much I'm feeling them they're on the numb end but um doing well you had a doctor appointment this morning and you know, finding out that the pain you're having is normal and that you don't have any blood clots makes you very happy. So um, I'm thankful for that and excited to delve into Psalm 69. And what a psalm it is. And uh, so catch us up on old four. Is, uh, is Thor out running around in the snow or is he hiding from the snow? What, what's, he, uh, what's he up to? Well, I think Thor is probably currently huddled up under the sunroom, lazily watching the world go by. Um, he's he's kind of just a laid back kind of dog. Um, and considering the snow is as almost as deep as he is tall, it's a little hard for him to run around right now. Well, he's probably afraid. He's like Emmy. Emmy's afraid if she goes out there, nobody will see her again. You know, man, that, <laughs> you got some snow going on. And, uh, we have mountains of it. So over here, it's uh, uh, another 55 to 60 degree day here at uh, uh, Hilton Head Island. And uh, boy, some places are just pretty cool. But, uh, and cold, I should say. But uh, I'm glad Indiana's beautiful. But right now you're in the midst of a cold streak there. Yep, so, we are. Yeah. So, so what else is going on? There's got to be something new you haven't told the peeps about. Oh, what's new going on with your life? I guess there's nothing there, folks. I was going to say, I mean, I just, I had surgery last week. Um, Not a major surgery, but a surgery nonetheless. So um, sort of spent the last week getting through that. Um, Got to spend time with Lydia and Leah. That was a lot of fun. And um, Lydia and Leah are pretty, pretty great people. Among the they Hicks are. family there. They're I, awesome. I really like the Hicks family. Steve's like the weird one in the bunch, but everybody oh, else is great. Steve brought me, speaking of Steve. No, don't tell me he, he brought loves, you more Notre Dame. He loves the Air Force hoodie I got him in Louisiana. That that helped me get, to earn brownie points. And not that that's why I bought it, but anyway, he was very happy with it. And he brought me a Starbucks medicine ball last night. And I had a splitting headache and that... That made me smile. You so, know, Steve, Steve Hicks, uh, he is a saint, saint for bringing that uh, medicine ball. So you might. So today is your turn. Uh, it is. So you might be a knucklehead if. You know, you might be a knucklehead if you came through the Valentine's holiday and loved yourself so much you went and bought yourself a gift and you happened to forget your girlfriend or your wife. Now, there's no, uh, there's no excuse did, for that. 
If you did that, may I encourage you to redeem yourself before this week is out? Yeah. Or try anyway. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you messed up the uh, Valentine's giving and a love holiday like that. Now, I want you to know my wife had flowers three days out, a table full of them. And I bought the big bouquet. I didn't get the three for $12 ones, I, which is her usual weekly thing. I'll mix up three for $12 ones. On Valentine's Day, Debbie is, what, two feet from me right now. Wave your hand, Debbie. So, Oh, actually, you can see her head right there. I can. I can see her head. Yeah, yeah. So uh, she got her Valentine's bouquet on time and, uh, and things of that nature. So I think it's important, you know, What's kind of the deal with gifts? How often should a husband or wife give their spouse? I think this is important. I think, you know, we help people here. We're not just uh, throwing junk out there. We're a practical side. We're a people that know we're messed up, that know we're goofy, that know we make mistakes. We're a people that know we suffer from PTSD or we, our hearts are hurting or, or we're goofy and we got to help others. So educate us on this. So if someone's married to somebody or uh, it's a significant other, the courting, or whatever the case may be. What's the rules on gifts in that area? Well, I don't know if there is any specific. Um, I know um, looking back, um, I would, if, you know, when, you, when you're on my end of things looking back, it's like, whoa, I wish I had done 10 times more surprise date nights or things like that. But I think it's important. I think it's important more than on Valentine's, but you know, let your spouse or your girlfriend, boyfriend, let them know you love them. Let them know you care about them and not for the purpose of you receiving anything, just invest in them. Um, I think my perspective um, would be a whole lot different now in, in, pouring love on someone because of having lost someone I loved. And so you just, you know, do it for your kids. If you have someone you love, let them know, take the time, um, sacrifice a little if you have to. Um, and let me say this, I think this is really important too. If you don't have somebody you love, send me the gifts. That's all I'm saying. You can, <laughs> you, you could practice on me. Uh, so, so if, if you don't have someone you love and you want to start practicing, you know, my love language is like Starbucks cards and, you know, maybe paying a month of the, uh, uh, the bill I just paid for the podcast here a little while ago, it came across my credit card. So, you know, those are love <laughs> gifts that, that, carry, that carry with them months of good feelings. And, uh, Yep. So, so feel free to do that, peeps. And while we're talking uh, about helping out with the podcast, maybe you or your church, uh, you know, we'll advertise you. If you pay for a month, we would gladly advertise you for that month and say, this month is brought to us by. And this like month, sponsor. yeah, in the last few months, we can say Doug Carriger. So I want you to think about that. <laughs> and uh, I want you to be ready to do that. And uh <laughs> All right, so we kind of got that down. So we're on Psalm 69, and as we move along, but remember the gifts, remember the text messages, remember the notes, you know, look out for each other. You know, there's not a lot going on in this earth where people are positive and upbeat, taking care of things, looking out for each other, and we as Christians are different. 
We're cut from a different mold. We're different people. We should look out for one another. We should make sure that we send gifts to one another. We should take care of one another. We should do all those things, I think, uh, that make people feel yeah. good about each other. And Psalm 69 is going to tell us uh, about what happens when you get in the waters and stuff and uh, when you're deep and then you're in the mire. And, uh, and that's where we are. We're in Psalm 69. It's a cry, I think, for help is what I'm seeing. Now, this is a big psalm, so we've decided ahead of time that we're going to do the first 13 verses. Save me is verse number one, O God, for the waters are come in unto my soul. I sink in deep mire where there is no standing. I am come into deep waters where the floods overflow me. I am weary of my crying. My throat is dried. Mine eyes fail while I wait for God. They that hate me without a cause are more than the hairs on my head. They that would destroy me, being mine enemies wrongfully, are mighty. Then I restored with that which I took not away. O God, thou knowest my foolishness, and my sins are not hid from thee. Let not them wait on thee, O Lord God of hosts. Be ashamed for my sake. Let not those that seek thee be confounded for my sake, O God of Israel, because for thy sake I have borne reproach. Shame have covereth my face. I have become a stranger unto my brethren and alien unto my mother's children. For the zeal of thine house have eaten me up, and the reproaches of them that reproach thee are fallen upon thee. When I wept and chastened my soul with fasting, that was to my reproach. I made sackcloth also my garment, and I am a proverb to them. They that sit in the gate speak against me. I was the song of the drunkards, but as for me, my prayer is unto thee. O Lord, in acceptable time, O God, in the multitude of thy mercy, hear me in the truth of thy salvation. Man, there's all kinds of stuff going on here, Stephanie. Why don't we look at those first few verses and see what that's telling us right there? Wow. Well, I mean, again, David's just raw. He's just honest. And, and this psalm starts out as many other psalms have. Um, psalm 70 is going to start out in much the same way of just a cry for help. Um, we've talked about sometimes that's all you can get out is help God or God help me, Lord help me, whatever. And that's what he's crying out here. And I think of David when he says uh, of um, Peter um, on the as he was sinking in the middle of the Sea of Galilee in the storm, as David says, for the waters are come in unto my soul. And that, just being honest here, um, what comes to mind is when I called you and said, I'm drowning. Yeah, that's what I was thinking I of, think, too. I think that's what David's saying here in verse 1, is help me, God, I'm drowning. And um, he get, and it's a metaphor. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, I'm just drowning. I'm in a bad place. And that's how Psalm 69 starts out. I'm, uh, you know, he, he, he's sinking in this deep mire. And how many people are listening today that could say, man, I'm drowning, too? Maybe I'm yeah. drowning with my lights being off. Maybe I'm drowning in debt. Maybe I'm drowning in spirit. Maybe... Uh, my relationship with God doesn't feel the way it should. And, and uh, I, I think David could probably claim many of these things. But, you know, look at verse 3. It almost turns things around there. And he wants a way out. 
So exactly right uh, what you're saying there. He's trying to remind you of when you were covered in water. But then I want to remind you of where you were at that time as well so you can help us with that. I am weary of crying. My throat is dried. My eyes fail when I wait for my God. Wow. Yeah. Uh, well, I think um, looking back, when I actually made that statement to you that I was drowning was right after I had found out that I had liver tumors. And um, for me, that was the final nail in the coffin. Um, it was the final confirmation to what I was already feeling and thinking as far as that um, God hated me, that I had done something so deeply wrong, that I had offended him in some way so great that he literally hated me. And I really believed it at that point, that lie of Satan had taken, um, it had become a stronghold in my heart. And, um, you know, I think, I think it's important to be able to come to that point of like David being willing to say I'm drowning, being willing to say I need help. Um, if you try to bottle it up and just be okay, if you try to hide it, to, sit, to, to stay looking good to those around you, you will drown inside. Yeah. You will self-destruct. And to come to that point of like David being willing to pour out what's going on. And, you know, verse three reveals to us David was spending a lot of time crying. And you can get sick of it. And yes, and, and I think he was probably struggling with depression. But I think there's a point, there's a there's something important here that if you're if you aren't at a point where you can cry, if you have buried your drowning so deep that you're afraid to cry over whatever it is you're going through, you need to let the floods overflow you in the sense of cry. Yeah, just let be it go. Willing to, be willing to let it out. Um, and I'm not trying to sound like an expert in the whole um, of how emotionally, um, how you will cause huge um, problems in your um, life physically and emotionally, spiritually. But if you do not let those tears come out, it will bottle up inside you. And eventually, eventually that cap will have to come off. And the reason God could use David so mightily is because David was willing to cry. He was willing to cry out to God and he was willing to just be bluntly honest about where he was. And we have benefited so much from that and um, be willing to be honest with God, be willing to be honest with someone who loves you and wants to help you. Um, that's, that's the first step to being able to heal from something you're going through is being willing to be honest about it. And it took me a while to be willing to be honest with where I was. And I didn't even see how bad I was by the time um, that I got help. Others could see it more than I could as far as with the effects PTSD it had, but be willing to be honest um, like David was here um, of where he was of sinking in the mire. And, um, you know, he was at a point of, I'm waiting on God and it feels like this is just an endless cycle. And I think we've all been there in that waiting process. Yeah, and, and boy, it's Even easy. Honest. It's easy to grow weary. You know, the truth, truth be said, we're human beings. You know, Amy Carmichael once said, our waters are shallow because his were deep. Yeah. Boy, there's a great statement to that, meaning Christ's were deep, God's were deep. He went mm -hmm. through deep waters for us. And 
And folks, if you're weary today, if you're sick of crying, if you're sick of all those things, you got to be where David's at. And you know, that first prayer to the Lord is, uh, he, he just wants an answer. He wants to be saved. He wants to be delivered. And, and he's talking about it for his sake here. Look at verse number four. They that hate me, Stephanie, without a cause are more than the hairs on mine head. Now, uh, a preacher once said there's 100,000 hairs on your head. I don't know if you've ever counted them. I don't know if that's an accurate term, but I believe preachers. So there's 100,000 hairs on your head. So if you see five or six in the shower, don't freak out. You got another 99,000, uh, you know, 994, 999,994. No, I don't know. See, my son Doug is the mathematician. Uh, so you got another 99,994 left, if that 100,000 number is right. And uh, then he, we go out of there, we go to five, and he says, O God, thou knowest my foolishness, and my sins are not hid from thee. And that reminds us that God knows everything. He's saying, my enemies are doing me wrong. My enemies outnumber the hairs on my head. Life is upside down. But then he stops for a minute and he gets practical and he gets real. And he says, but God, you know my foolishness. You know my folly. You know everything messy about me. You know all the bad things. And it would do us well, brethren, if we thought about that and realized that God knows everything about us. And uh, God certainly knows. And I think that's pretty cool. But then in verse 6, I'm seeing something where he's given another reason for praying. He's praying for the Lord's sake, starting in verse 6. And you can look on there, and he says, uh, I think it says, let not, yeah, let me find it here, let not them that wait on thee, O God of hosts, be ashamed for my sake. Let not those that seek thee be confounded for my sake, O God of Israel. Don't let me be involved in anybody being messed up. Don't let mm -hmm. me be involved in anybody not serving God. Don't let me be involved in holding anybody back from coming to God because I'm foolish. I'm messed up. I'm weary from crying so much. I got issues. And some people are criers. You know what I mean? Uh, mm -hmm. You're a crier. You cry a lot. I cry a lot. You know, we're crying people. We're from a long line of crying people in our families. You know, I've met your dad. He cries. Your mom cries. I think it's a good thing to be tender. But look what he says. Because for thy sake, I have borne reproach. Shame have covered my face. So now he's saying, for your sake, God, I have done these things. I am become a stranger unto my brethren. This is a hard thing, Stephanie. What do you think he's saying here? And an alien unto my mother's children. What, what's he saying? I think David is saying, because of my love and my service for you, um, based on verse 7 and verse 9, um, because of, of where I am, Lord, and, and how I'm trying to serve you, because of um, seeking to put you above all else, I may become a stranger to my brother. In other words, those people that I was closest to, those people that perhaps... Yeah. I considered to be my best friends. The siblings, man. I become, well, right, and then an alien unto my mother's children, an alien. I mean, that is a very strong term. Um, in other words, the people that David had viewed as his closest friends, those maybe he had viewed as the ones he would work with closest, and his own siblings, he had become a stranger and an alien to it, them. And sometimes your siblings don't like say, you. Yeah. Well, and he doesn't say, I am become like a stranger or like an alien. He says, I am become a stranger 
um, and an alien. In other words, this is where it was in his relationship statuses. And um, verse 90 says, for the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. David had chosen, as Jesus talked about in the New Testament, he had chose um, to not love anyone else more than he loved Jehovah. Yeah. To put, you know, and to put it in our day, he had chosen to love Jesus above anything and anyone else. He had chosen to follow God's leading, God's will, God's thinking, no matter what anyone else said or did. Yeah. And because of that, he was in this place. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a place that until you're there, you can't understand it, but it's a very real thing to face. And I know, um, I'm sure there's people listening that have been in that place of pain and David knew, David knew what that was. I mean, it, it had, it causes hurt. It, it wounds you. Um, as David says there, um, the reproaches of them that are reproached, that are, that reproach thee are fallen upon me. When I wept and chastened my soul with fasting, that was to my reproach. I made sackcloth also my garment and I became a proverb to them. And David felt betrayal. He felt that wounding. Um, he knew that these people, his siblings, these who had, he had, who were his brethren, he says that they were sitting at the, in the gate speaking against him. He was the song of the drunkards. David was being treated like dirt by those who should have loved him the most. And I think of what Jesus said, a prophet is without honor or um, a prophet is without honor in his own country. Yeah. And no. Jesus knew what this felt like. Those Jesus siblings hated him. And um, think of Joseph. There's, there's many examples of heroes we have in scripture whose siblings turned on them. And not, I'm not saying because of them being knuckleheads. I'm saying because of situations, not like Jacob, where Jacob had deceived Esau. You know, there was some direct, you yeah, know. Yeah, because Jacob of the relationship. Upright. Yeah. Um, Jacob wasn't being upright when he was. But at the same time, um, we have these examples of David, of Joseph, of Jesus, the perfect son of yeah. God, whose siblings hated him. Jesus, who his town people tried to stone him when he preached something that they didn't like. Um, they made accusations of Jesus that were horrendous um, simply because he wasn't fitting the little mold that they had set up for him. And it's not, it's not your job. It's not your responsibility to fit into even your family's mold. It's your job to follow God's will for your life. Amen. Amen. And David, David, that's where David is, but that doesn't mean there won't be hurt involved. And yeah. I think that's important to remember. And, and we know there's some of you out there that, uh, uh, have probably alienated your siblings just by serving God and that's okay. God comes first. Yeah. And uh, and some siblings are knuckleheads. You might be a knucklehead if you don't get along with your other sub siblings just because you're a knucklehead for knuckleheaded sake. But I I, I like where you, where you went there, and I think the biggest thing you got to understand is David's all in for God, yeah. and he's talking about yeah. alienate these people because he has zeal for God, because he's going to serve God, because he's going to stay true to God. Some people like the fame. Some people like the money. Some people like hanging around with the people that we don't like hanging around with because we serve God now and we have a different standard. We have a different place to be. And, uh, and, and if you go to verse 12, it says, they that sit in the gate speak against me. 
and I was the song of the drunkard. So he said, these people who sit at my gate, you know, they're talking against me. My own well, people, think, the people who work for me. Yeah. Yeah. If you look at um, that term sitting in the gate throughout um, the Old Testament, yeah. um, that, in other words, these are people that are in um, their esteemed positions, yeah. their positions of, well, they've got to be right about so-and-so because, wow, look at their prestige, look at their position. And if they're saying this about David, well, then it has to be true. There is you know, cabinet, it, man, that are keepers. Yeah. They're, they're the These people that they're, people they're, that they're that are in leadership way, positions. Right. They had a way to get into David. You know, that's his chief of staff. That's his secretary of defense. Yeah. I mean, that's his people. Those are the people that are the gatekeepers. So don't yeah. look at it more as a physical gate. Look at it more as a gatekeeper. Positions. Yeah, yeah. But then it says, but as for me, my prayer is unto thee, O Lord, in an acceptable time, O God, in the multitude of thy mercy, hear me in the truth of thy salvation. We want to stop here today. We know we're running right about where we have to be, but there's a practical side here. Stephanie covered an awful lot of it, but we make choices when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We make choices that we're going to serve a true and risen God. And there's some things that people in our life uh, may not be happy with us about because we're not hitting the bars. We're not uh, spending the money we always spent the money. We're not bad-mouthing people. We're not sitting around and shredding people. We're, we're a different people. You know, we're a saved people. We live a different way. So practically, folks, it's okay to be where David's at. Be a little bit weary of your tears. It's a good thing to cry. Cry when you got to cry, folks. It's okay. Uh, but, you know, let the dead bury the dead. Get over it. Move out. Serve God. Beg for deliverance like David did. Know that and, and pray that those siblings will come back. It's not our goal to get away from our family and friends. Our goal is to get them closer to us, to bring them into the fold so that they too can know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And folks, we hope you're doing well out there. Stephanie already picked out, uh, she pre-chose a song today. So this, uh, uh, this song is among the elect of her song. So what song is it, Stephanie? So this song means a lot to me. Um, I actually was thinking of thinking of this song last week um, when I was in the midst of um, a situation similar to what, along the same lines of what David describes here. And um, this song has been a precious, precious promise song to me since Charles died. So anyway, um, and I think it's just a comfort in light of what you may be going through if you're in a situation where you don't feel loved where you feel alone, those who maybe you love most have turned on you for standing um, for what is right, for choosing um, to follow God's leading in your life. So I hope this will encourage you. Be not afraid, for I have redeemed you. Be not afraid, I've called you by name. My love for you is everlasting. My love for you will have no end. When you pass through the waters, I will surround you. When you pass through the floods, they will not sweep over. When you walk through the fire, you will not be consumed. 
You are my child. You are my child. You are so precious to me. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. It is very important to all of us at Help for Wounded Spirits that you know your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Bible is very clear with a simple salvation message. You can know today. First, you're a sinner, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Second, there's a price on sin, for the wages of sin is death. Third, Jesus paid that price for you. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Lastly, you must speak it with your mouth, and believe it with your heart, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made known unto salvation. Simply ask the Lord to save you in Jesus' name while believing in your heart, and he will. Please contact us if we can help you in any way. God bless you. Doug and Stephanie, thank you for listening today. We hope this podcast has been a blessing in your life. For helpful resources, more information, or to donate to help this vital ministry, visit us at woundedspirits.com.